when I saw Molly Crew, I was right in front of Nikki Six, who is a Sasquatchian guy, you know, dude, dude, big bass, you know, and he's hawking loogies in the crowd, and people were rubbing the loogies in <laughs> like it was the water of lords or something like they were going to be healed by you know his snot rockets. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the pop culture. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. The lingo. 30 inches of thigh slapping, blood pumping, nuclear brain damage. And the love. Casey, could you please play Waiting for a Girl Like You? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Stuck in the 80s. Today, with great pleasure in my heart, our interview with Spando Ballet's Tony Hadley. So true, funny how it seems. No, no way. Not even close. No Hadley. What? I just grew my first chest hair and I want to encourage it to keep growing. Give me something a little harder. <sighs> Thank God I had another interview queued up. Are you ready? Good times for a change. Hey everybody, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. Today, with great pleasure, I give you our one-in-one conversation with Morrissey. So please, please, please let me... Ow, you hit me! What is the matter with you? What's happened to you? You have a girlfriend now, so you're a giant wuss? Come on, man! This is America! It's 4th of July weekend! These are classic 80s artists! No, 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 no. You want classic? You want classic? Listen to this! Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, our interview with Motley Cruz, Tommy Lee. Because he can kickstart my heart better than a bacon and bacon sandwich, I bring you Times Pop Music critic Sean Daly. I'm jacked, baby. I'm jacked. I'm stimulated from head to toe. My nipples could cut glass. I know. Tommy Lee, baby. We're in the mood for heavy metal today. We even wore, you wore spandex, even though it's your man's ear. <laughs> I am wearing a leather studded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know when Spearsy swears? That is going to be an epic show. And I ask you right now, we have Tommy Lee on the phone, okay? Uh-huh. Is this our greatest get ever? Well, there was Tom Wopat. Ha ha. All right. A little nod for our longtime listeners. Is he, is he the greatest get ever? Brian Johnson's still I up know, there. I know. Brian Johnson's up there. Uh, Martha Quinn. Yeah. You know? you love, you're still trying to get in her pants. So of course, you say Martha uh. Quinn. I'm going to say that Tommy, if he's not number one, he's number 1A. Uh, Motley Crue is coming to the St. Pete Times Storm in Tampa on July 6th. 
They're touring the whole U.S. this summer. Yeah, with Poison. Weird lineup. Weird lineup. And New York Dolls. Yes. What's David Johansson. That's not going to play well. Man, I mean, his I face I is like a yeah. bowl of mashed potatoes now. He's rough. I didn't want to tell Tommy, but I'm just like, I don't think the crowd's going to get New York Dolls. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that they're going to get off stage in about 15 minutes. If, so. if, uh, if Johansson rocks into uh, Hot, Hot, Hot... They're going to tear the place to the ground. <laughs> a little Buster Poindexter. They're going to tear the place to the ground. I mean, sometimes, you know, Steve and I, we're, we're, we're good, serious journalists. Pause for effect. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we get a lot of times we get offered great interviews. It's not like we have to go out there and beg, beg, beg. Steve and I get offered interviews all the time. And this woman uh, who represents Motley Crue says, hey, you want to talk to one of the guys? And I lean over because Steve and I, you know, we, we we sit right next to each other. I'm like, you want Tommy Lee? Are you? He's like, are you kidding me? And so yeah. So as you're about to hear, we talk with Tommy Lee, and I'm a huge Motley Crue fan. Why? Listen, the shows I love to do most, to review most, are metal shows. I love the metal community. There's nothing serious. I can check my uh, tremendous brain at the door, and it's carnal, baby. It goes right to my uh, gazats, if you will. I I have never been. I mean, unless you count ACDC as heavy metal, I don't. I count them as just rock. Yeah, I, I've never been I, a hair metal like, fan. I don't. I don't like it. It doesn't not, appeal to Molly me. Molly Crew is not necessarily heavy metal. I mean, Mick Mars, the riffs. We talked to Tommy about Mick. Mick, of course, is a guitarist for Molly Crew. I think he's one of the great underrated guitarists of all time. The the riffs. You know, we were thinking, what song should open the show? What song should open the show? And if you listen, every Motley Crue song has a great opening. You could have picked anything. Yeah. But you know why I picked this one? Why? Because it's in the movie Talladega Nights. And I swear <laughs> to God, the only time I ever enjoy a Motley Crue song is if it's in a movie. Yeah, but that means that you like a lot of Motley Crue songs. There's a well, lot of Motley Crue. Wild Crow. Side is in the movie Rockstar with Donnie <laughs> Wahlberg. <laughs> Wild when he's, Side. When he's freaking out. Wild and Side. Then, and then the greatest use ever of a Motley Crue song. Do you know, a lot of people don't know that I have tattoos on my, my butt cheeks. One says wild side. And the other says mild side. <laughs> exactly. Well, you've seen my ass many yeah. times. It's a, and you know what's funny? <laughs> set up Depending on what there. direction I'm looking at it, <laughs> they switch places. Hey, show what kind of mood you're in. Sometimes, yeah, I'll just drop my drawers and like tense one or the other. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I don't like it. But here's, here's the best use ever of a, um, a Motley Crue song. It's in the movie Hot Tub Time Machine. And it's when, it's when uh, Lou... Reinvents the past, and suddenly it's now not Motley Crue, but Motley Lou. <laughs> and you see this, this, this. Uh, they they recreate the entire Home Sweet Home video. That's right for the closing credits. It's it's amazing, and that's why I I must have laughed myself silly when I watched it the first time. And that makes me adore Motley Crue in some weird way. Motley Lou, did they have the umlaut over the U and Lou? I think they might have. Yes. The attention to detail in Hot Tub Time Machine just is, staggering. Uh, is unbelievable. Yes. No, I love metal shows. I think uh, hair metal is just as valid as any other genre, if you will. <laughs> Here's the thing with Motley Crue. It's funny you talk about individual songs and movies. You know... I I'm going to say they only had really one great album. And I know people are going to rip on me and say that the, their first album was great. But I'm going to say Dr. Feelgood has about four or five hits on it. But a lot of times these guys were so whacked out of their minds on drugs, you know? 
and the, the record company just wanted to get another album on there. They'd have two songs, maybe two good songs on an album, and the rest would suck. It's true, the rest would suck. There aren't a lot of deep album cuts for Motley Crue fans, and I'm sorry if I'm I'm, I'm ticking you people off, but I, you know, I, I I'm a suburban dirtball, you know, <laughs> but uh, drink, uh, but um, but I just don't think there's a lot of great Motley Crue albums. But as a singles band, they were awesome, and I've seen Motley Crue in concert before, and it's insane. And you know, Tommy always has some sort of wild rig going on. And as you're about to hear, his the new drum set is what? Tell him what it is. It's a 360 degree roller coaster drum set. <laughs> and and as he chides us to do, he said, "Look it up on YouTube." And so I did the other day. And I think it was one of the concerts where it was malfunctioning. <laughs> yeah, because it would. It's supposed to. It's like this big, obviously a 360 degree circle where it takes him upside down, like a roller coaster would do. Yeah. And he, he gets up there once. And then it kind of comes down, and then this the guitar tech gets on the back, and he's like monkeying with some wrenches and stuff That's like that. That's great. And then it finally kind of <laughs> back up to the top again. And, Is Tommy and, still playing throughout the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not exactly a uh, uh, Rush Sony and uh, Neil Peart uh, type of uh, yeah. a drum solo. It's more of a you know just a thumping. I mean, you and I could do the same solo, but upside down probably not. Yeah, we asked Tommy like, how can he top himself? And I don't want to give away his answer because no. it's very, very funny. It's very funny. But however, we should say that we were expecting Tommy Lee uh, to be a wild child. You know, we've seen him uh, on stage and in videos and in other videos. <laughs> Have you seen that video? Know? The video Pam and Tommy. Yeah, yeah, man, I've oh, seen that gosh. video. My thing with the Pam and Tommy uh, sex tape is that. I don't want to be crass here because I don't like to work blue, as you know. But I was, I was kind of wanted to be titillated because Pamela Anderson is hot, and I, I hear that they're going to start having some, you know, hardcore sex here. They're on a boat in like Havasu or something like that, right? And but, however, Tommy is getting into it because Tommy's probably, you know, not only has he seen five billion porn movies, he's banged five billion uh, porn stars. So Tommy in the in the uh, the, the sex tape is kind of get yeah, baby. But Pam, what does Pam do all the time? I love you, Tommy. Yeah, so Pam is trying to make the whole thing very romantic, like, and he's up there just go hammering away with his Loch Ness monster <laughs> dong. You know, I love you, Tommy. And it's like you're watching at home. You're like, shut I up. I know. Say something dirty. Nothing ruins it for me when then when a girl looks up at me and says, "I love you, Tommy." And doesn't uh, Tommy? Oh God, this is really not a show for kids. Uh, I, I hope I hope we, some of you people aren't listening with your children. But I think. Tommy finishes, I should say, and then doesn't he say rad or something <laughs> like that? They're so great, you know. <laughs> anyway, so enough uh. about that. Anyway, well, we're getting back to it. Tommy Lee is a wild child, you know. He's done so, all sorts of crazy stuff. If you ever read The Dirt by Neil Strauss, it's one of my favorite books ever. The the oral tell all of Molly Crew. However. Tommy Lee on the phone is in a very kind of interesting mood. He was obviously in his dressing room either before or, or right after um, sound check, and uh, he's kind of wistful. You know, he gives some really, really interesting answers, and he says "dude" all the time. <laughs> I mean, you get your Tommy isms, but he was—he uh, was a little bit subdued, would you say? Yeah, yeah, distracted. Yeah, sometimes distracted, sometimes not. Just not in a mood to play uh, play with us that day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though I, I really think it's a good interview. You know, we kind of came down, uh, came out of the interview maybe a little dejected. I mean, we were really kinda... dejected. And then um, people have listened to it and um, and read the transcript, and they're like, "This is a great interview, guys." 
Like, this is really good. What's the problem? I'm like, ah, I think you and I were expecting, like, boys club st- stuff. And it wasn't. But but I still say it was uh, uh, an A interview. And uh, I think people are really going to enjoy it. Here's my theory on, on Tommy Lee and why this interview maybe wasn't as good as we hoped it would be. I, I think that the higher a celebrity status one of our interviews has the um the lesser of an interview it is because they they have so much at stake their their game is so polished they know what to say and what not to say and they, and they're not and they don't they're not as open with this as someone maybe like um like a great kin you yeah. know not not that he's not a, a great celebrity but you know he doesn't Sorry, have a, he doesn't Sorry, have his own reality show and he doesn't sell you know as many records as Molly Crew you know, someone who has so, it's it's like when you interview some of these people, some of these pre-processed you know popbacks from today, and they give the same boring, stale answers. Yeah. You know, because they've got so much to lose and nothing to gain, really, right? From an interview. Yeah, he he probably had about ten interviews set up too, and they're these blocks of ten, fifteen minutes. Um, and so yeah, he just kind of set, sets them up and knocks them down. My mistake with Tommy Lee is what I always like when I go and I talk to groups of people or kids or other journalists and I always say be really specific and kind of surprise your interview subject that you've really done your homework and like start off with maybe some really different questions where like hey this guy's not some people magazine schlub he really knows what he's talking about with Tommy I was so jacked up we were so jacked up to talk to him and he's such a character I thought I could kind of work in generalizations and just kind of throw out a couple keywords and Tommy would take it and run with it. Right. So that was kind of my mistake a little bit. Not that I, I think we did a bad job interviewing. I think we're, <laughs> you know, I think uh, we, we kind of knew our stuff. Yeah. But maybe if we would have been, maybe if we would have given like a drum tech question, I know, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about your drumming history. You're, you, you're a drummer too. Um, maybe if we would have done something like that. But then again, maybe not. Maybe he was just wiped. And it was his time in the band to, to give all these interviews. Everybody wants Tommy. You know, Tommy's the name in, in Motley Crue. You know, so, uh, but anyway, enough about that, Stephen Q. Spears. Here you go. I'm going to say it's our greatest get ever. It's well worth your time. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tommy Lee. Hey, Tommy. Hello. Hey, this is Sean Daly, the music critic from the St. Pete Times. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. It's a little hard to hear you, but I think we can do it. Oh, really? Yeah, we're boneheads here in the studio. We've been tinkering. We've been twiddling knobs, so to speak. Hey, with me is, uh, well, is Steve... Take the volume knob and crank that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, with me is Steve Spears, the uh, entertainment editor at TampaBay.com. And we are jacked that the crew is coming to Tampa, the St. Pete Times Forum, on July 6th. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, thanks, bud. Yeah, I'm looking forward. It's going to be sick. Yeah, hey, how are you and the guys in the band getting along these days? Oh, uh, we hate each other. <laughs> but no, you're, I'm but just kidding. No, dude, it's all good. We're having a blast, is of it course. Good? Is it good? Is it good? Yeah, man, we are We are having such good, you know, good fun. I mean, we're out here, uh, we're, we're like, what, probably two weeks into the tour? and just, yeah. I mean, it's just ripping, man. We're having a blast. Hey, how's Mick holding up? Oh, you know Mick, man. You can't, you can't, uh, can't mess with the Mars man, dude. He's killing shit. Man, I tell you what, he is one of the great, uh, and, and I'll say he's underrated. I don't mean to, to, to demean him, but I just think he's an underrated guitarist. He is so effing good, and I don't think he gets enough credit for all those licks. Well, you know what? You know what? That what? What's that? That silly thing that they uh, they say about underrated, overrated. Hey, at least he's rated. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> 
Hey, better you, to be better to be rated than not mentioned at all, you know. So, I guess you're right. Yeah, he's great, dude. Mix, mix. Uh, you know, that's one thing that has never changed. Uh, you know, uh, depending on 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 any of his, uh, you know, health issues or anything like that, is his his playing just never never seems to to change. You know, that's the one thing is consistent hey, always. You guys just prop him up there, and boom, he just starts ripping. Yeah, well, we don't even need to prop him up. He's good, man. I'm telling you, the guy's on fire. Um, hey, so uh, tell us about the drum rig, the 360 drum roller coaster. Well, I, I'm sure you've heard about it or seen it on YouTube and all that. But um, I don't know what else there is to tell you about it. Uh, you just—it's one of those things you absolutely have to see. You can watch YouTube videos all day long, but unless you come and see that thing live. Uh, it's definitely something not to be missed. You know, it's one of the, it's one of those. <laughs> so, who comes up with the ideas for the drum uh, stunts over the years? Is it you, or do you have like a team of uh, Harvard engineers? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's it starts with me, and then you know, you, of course, you know, I'm, you can come up with ideas all day, but if you don't have the right guys in place to help you kind of make that a reality, um, uh, the idea starts with with me, and then we just kind of take it from there, and you know, we build it. So it's just one of those things where it was like it was time to uh, take it to the next level, you know? I mean, you, you just want to outdo yourself each time. Like, all right, what can be sicker and more dangerous than the last one? And then you just pretty soon you're just going to be like playing like on fire or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh I'm going to shoot myself out of an elephant's ass next time or something. I don't know. I would pay, I would pay to see that, too. Yeah, I mean, last time I saw you, a couple years back, uh, you were ju you do doing this weird stomp thing, like, way high above the crowd, jumping from one uh, crazy-ass kit to the other. And I'm like, this guy's going to break his ass one of these days. But, but nah. you don't care. You, you know me, dude. Full-on thrill-seeker. You get off on that stuff. I love it, man. You know, it's like... Someone's got to do it. Hey, what? Um, so I, I got you know I've read the dirt. I love Neil Strauss. He's a hero. But I want to know in 2011, how debauched is the Motley Crew backstage these days? I hear you're the only one keeping it alive. Well, I'm I'm pretty much that guy, you know, like um you know, it's you know, after the show's over, we usually have a big party afterwards uh in my dressing room because I have in my dressing room a it's basically like a club sound system. There's a huge PA system in my room and we just have a good time. Everyone parties and dances around and gets crazy. So, yeah, it's it's always nuts back here, dude. <laughs> so, what do the uh what do the groupies look like there? Are you still getting like the 19, 20-year-old groupies as well as the uh, you know, the people who have followed you all through your career? You got all sorts of ladies now, right? Well, they you know, yeah, they the ages are all over the place. I mean, you know, we've been doing it 30 years, so you've got people our age and you got I've seen Jesus uh, not to put them in the same sentence as a, a cheesy word like groupies, but I see kids, you know, t uh, 10 years old, some, some, you know, parents are bringing their kids. And so uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see, like, such a wide variety of people coming to the show, you know, all ages, all colors and sizes. It's dope.
So back in 2005, I was stuck to the television set every week watching Tommy Lee Goes to College. I got to know. There's an enduring love of that show. Um, it was it as much fun to make as it was to watch? It, it was fun for me just because it's something that I hadn't done. I'd never got a chance to go to college. Um, you know, Motley started touring when I was 17, 18 years old, so... I quit my senior year of high school because I got a recording contract, so I never got a chance to do that whole college thing. So for me, it was an experience, and that's why I did the show. I don't really just sign on to do you know cheese ball reality shows just for the hell of it. I do them for a reason, either they're musical or they're something that I haven't done yet. So <clears throat> that was one of the reasons I was like, wow, you know what? I haven't I have a chance here to experience you know a full semester of college. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, I remember the opening scene of that show is you, you saying goodbye to your mom and your mom in tears. And I think a lot yes. of and I think a lot yes. of people were expecting you just go doing you know keg stands. And then there's this really tender moment at the beginning. Your mom's so happy to see you go to college. Well, I think all parents want to see their kids like go to. You know, I don't. I don't think parents have kids to go like. I hope my son grows up to be a rock star, quits high school, and is a maniac. So she probably got a little bit of, uh, you know, just like, wow, he's going to actually go check out, you know, something that, that he actually didn't get a chance to when he was growing up, you know, so that's probably cool. Tommy, you know your kids are going to wind up being rock stars. With a dad like Tommy Lee, they got to grow up to be rock stars. Well, I don't know about that. My, my um, you know, sometimes when you have children, they're the actually, they're the opposites of you, so... um you know, my my youngest son is actually <clears throat> probably on his way to becoming a pro surfer. The guy, you know, my littlest Dylan is just shredding surfing, <clears throat> and my other my other son is actually really be <clears throat> into um, into music. Brandon, he's starting to uh, you know uh, make electronic music and stuff on his computer, and so it's it's interesting. They're both completely different, but um, <clears throat> you know they. They already got a rock star parent, so they're probably onto something else, you know. Hey, Tommy, I read in a recent interview that uh, you don't want to do albums anymore. Um, yeah, well, no one, no one really buys records anymore. You can look at the sales and and do that math real quick. Um, you know, it's we. Unfortunately, it's it's fast food. Uh, you know, in, in the music industry, and people don't, you know. People don't ingest full records anymore. They buy song to song, something something that blows their skirt up. They're like, "Yeah, give me that," and they buy it. So they buy singles, and you know, for for you to sit there and you know, rip your hair out and put six or eight months into making a full record for someone to buy one song from it is is, is stupid. Yeah, but it's kind of sad, though. I mean, I mean, look at all these great albums you guys had. I well, mean, well, I, I don't know, dude. I, I really. I don't think it's sad. I think it's actually cool because what it'll do is force people to make better songs at a time instead of making an album with nine, you know, filler tracks and two good songs. I think it's actually a nice change. I, I think it's going to be wonderful, to tell you the truth. Well, listen, hey, Tommy, thanks so much. Motley Crue's going to be in Tampa at St. Pete Times Forum on July 6th, and we can't wait. It's always a killer show. Motley Crue, one of the best. Thanks, brother. We'll see you soon. All right. See you, Tommy. All right, man. See you. So there you go, our interview with Tommy Lee. 
Uh, you know, when I listen to it again, <laughs> I, I, I like it. I, I, I like it more. Like, for some reason, like, we always go, and, and, you know, in retrospect, I'm, I'm liking it more. How about you? Well, because I took all the stammering by us out of it. Was there stammering? God, I kiss his ass so bad a couple times. I'm just like, that's my default. Like, please say something. Yeah, please accept me. <laughs> You're so awesome. At least you didn't call yourself the rock. Did you call yourself the rock critic for the same few times in this one? Shut I, up. I can always I tell am. when you're trying to be a poser when you try to switch I your say job effing, title. Like I, yeah, I'm just... The, I'm um, you know what gets me? In the, what stands out in this interview to me is his, um, his disdain for using the word groupie. When, in fact, Motley Crue might have perfected the art of seducing groupies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're Tommy Lee, dude. You spent most of the 80s in a leather Speedo. I mean, what are, yeah. you, what are you trying to do? Doesn't the dirt, the novel, open up with a story about a groupie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bullwinkle, they call her. You, yeah. can, you can find out I mean, on your own. The friggin' book opens up with the most foul story Well, it's funny because Tommy really takes that question in a different direction because we're like, yeah, what do they look like? I was kind of curious. Like, he's having a party. Tommy loves the women, you know? He's dated all the big names. So I'm curious, are there like, you know, 19-year-old girls and 59-year-old girls, you know? And so Tommy like totally turned that and almost tried to sell Motley Crue as a family entertainment. Well, people are bringing their kids to shows. I mean, these guys drop F-bombs like crazy. When I saw Motley Crue, I was right in front of Nikki Six, who is a Sasquatchian guy, you know? Dude, dude, big bass, you know, and he's hawking loogies in the crowd, and people were rubbing the loogies in <laughs> like it was the water of lords or something like they're going to be healed by you know his snot rockets. <laughs> you know, I mean, so this is not a family entertainment. I'm not taking Kid Lulu to Motley Crue. So it was really funny how Tommy was, and I think that might have been a reaction. And what he didn't want to give us were these party stories yeah you know he wanted to almost distance himself from that which is uh, which i think is inherently interesting in the interview you know and maybe it would have been cliche if he had said yeah this one time i was with jenna jameson i don't i don't know you know i but i think that the, the, the issues interview is interesting because of that yeah there part of me starts and you said it right there and you talk about family entertainment part of me wonders if Somewhere along the line, their business manager hasn't come in and, and said to had a conversation with the band and said, "You know what? You know your fans, your core demographics are aging, and they have kids now. You know kids who pay just as much for a, a concert ticket as the as the adults do, and maybe now it's start it's time to start pitching Motley Crue as family entertainment, even when it's highly inappropriate family entertainment. But hell, even um." Katy Perry was dropping f bombs, and that that when she was here recently in a concert, and her uh, audience she, was full of thirteen year old girls. Lady Gaga was dropping f bombs. Uh, Katy Perry might have like mouthed an f word once, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. The thing about Molly Crew though is, if you their records, there's no parental advisory sticker on those. Huh? Look at their hits. Uh, there, there's nothing bad. They don't they don't say an f word. In a way, it's kind of like old timey music, you know. Mm. Really, I mean, what's the word? Doctor Feelgood, yeah, is about drugs and girls, girls, girls is about strip joints all over the world. Again, maybe not something you want to play for your seven year old. But there aren't a lot of grotesqueries in their music. Now their live shows, sure, and in their you know their videos, you get the flashing and stuff like that. And let that. me ask you this: If you were Tommy Lee and you pretty much you know you had to party every night after a show and. I mean, are you going to share? I mean, are you the kind of person who would share those stories with, you know, a couple guys you never met on the telephone? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what I did last night? Woohoo! Kobe Ty. <laughs> That's a little shout out for my, nice. my core audience. Excellent. Here's another little shout out for you The, the Seggies. Please, please tell me now. 
This is kind of a combo platter of email of of uh, listener mail and PPTM. Yeah, it's sort of the poo poo platter of uh, everyone. God, you all of I, our segments. You and I should get a, share a poo poo platter one. Night. When was the last time you had one? God, with the, you gotta, I like, gotta go to the restaurant though, where they bring out the whole like little grill. Yeah, yeah, and it has that blue flame, flame and you, yeah. you always want to touch it because it looks delicious, like jelly. The blue yeah, flame. Yeah, you burn yourself. And one of these days, nah, that feels so good. <laughs> it's the entrance to heaven. Um, interesting, interesting letter today. We had to put on our thinking caps for this one. Uh, this is from uh, Bill with one L. Bill. <laughs> From Grorud, uh, Norway. No, I just made that up. I think he's Nokomis, Florida. Oh, okay. Same thing. Um, and today's uh, email slash PPTMN goes a little something like this. Dear Stephen Sean, I was born at the very tail end of the 60s, which put me at just about an ideal age to remember and enjoy the 80s. One very fond and profound memory I have is the Christmas of 1980. Being 11 years old, my main musical taste basically centered around Kiss. They were huge at the time, but poised to fade from popularity. And let's face it, they were rock and roll superheroes. That Christmas, everything changed. My brother got a record called Rock 80. It was put out by K-Tel. I remember K-Tel. You remember oh, yeah. K-Tel? Yeah. God, yes. Um, which was a record company that would buy up copyrights after the songs did the, had done their time on the charts and then sell them packed as compilation albums, sort of like a precursor to mixtapes, which eventually led to playlists. Rock 80 was simply the greatest thing I had ever heard. I quickly forgot about Kiss and probably listened to that album more, more often than my brother did. The track listing was as follows. I'm going to read these off to you, okay? Okay. At the very least, maybe someone will be like, you know what, I don't have that song. Let me uh, get to iTunes. Side 1. Cars by Gary Newman. That's your kickoff track right there. It's a good one. Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders. Driver's Seat by Sniff and the Tears. I don't know Driver's no, I Seat. That one kind of... Sniff and the Tears. Um, Cruel to be Kind, Nick Lowe. Awesome. Is She Really Going Out with Him? Joe Jackson. Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. And Call Me by Blondie is the last track on side one. Get up, flip your record over, and side two. Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio by The Ramones? My Sharona by The Knack. Technically a 79 song. I know it well. I Want You to Want Me, Cheap Trick. 78. Hold On by Ian Gom. Do you know Hold On by Ian Gom? Yeah, singing. I, I do. Sing it for me, though. Hold on. Nothing's the same now. <laughs> I don't even that know. sounds plausible. <laughs> One Way or Another by Blondie. We Live for Love, Pat Benatar. And Pop Music. Pop, pop, pop music by M. And uh, he has a little addendum here. I got to meet Marky Ramone a few years ago and was telling him about this album and how one of his songs char- changed my musical taste forever. Before I got my sentence out, he cut me off saying, I had that record and, and was as excited about it as I was. Marky Ramone had that. Hmm. So, PPTMN, boys. A, did you ever have this masterpiece? And B, was there any musical moment for you like this where everything you like is almost totally swept away by something new? I'm stuck in the parentheses rock, unparentheses 80s by k also in parentheses, Bill with one L. Not in parentheses. <laughs> he is unparenthetical. Yeah. Yeah, so Spearsy, take it away. Did you have this album? I don't remember. I had a lot of k albums. And what I remember from them is is it would always have a 38 special song on it <laughs> and an Ozzy Osbourne song on it. And I think Farner and always made be, the cut, too. Yeah, right? and it'd always be back-to-back. So you'd get... Uh, Hold on loosely right into, uh, you know, Crazy Train. Yeah. Was, it was made for an awkward uh, 
day at the record player. There's nothing awkward about that. It's awesome. No, I don't. I don't recall owning this exact one, but I did not have this. I did not have this either. But do you remember uh, a transformative uh, moment in your musical past? Um, yeah, and it's it's funny because it's 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 directly related to what you're listening to right now. Um, in the early '90s, actually, um, I was at a rec- I was at a record store in Jacksonville, Florida, where I lived at the time, and we're we're going through the bins, you know, and I'd long ago, you know, put away all my '80s, you know music and stuff like that or sold it or gotten rid of it or garage sailed it and i came across a um an album called rock of the 80s and it was a compilation just like this and it had thomas dolby and missing persons and all the really great mtv classics from the era and uh, i bought it and found out that there was a volume two and a volume three there's about 15 volumes now of rock of the 80s and that was the pivotal moment right then and there where i Basically said, you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed of liking the '80s sound and the '80s songs. I'm going to I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to be stuck in the '80s, whether people like it or not. And that those albums, those 15 albums, pretty much became the soundtrack of my life. And it's pretty much what carried over into this whole stuck in the '80s bit that we listened to today. Wow! Look look for it out there. It's still there. Not every volume is very good, though. I mean, some of them are like, really, you know, Paul Hardcastle, 19. Oh, I like that. I like 19. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's great. I mean, it, no, seriously, no, 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 19. if you own those 15 albums, you pretty much have every song you'll ever need. Wow. Uh, all right. Um, my moment isn't nearly as um, moving as your story right there. But in 1981, I was 11, and this is right before um, uh, Fallon on Dynasty, which we know is also a very transformative moment for me. But up until then, you know, 10 or 11, I was listening to my parents' music. My parents had relatively cool, you know, uh, musical taste. Elton John, a lot of Elton John, some Chicago. Neil, that, that's Neil, pretty good. Neil Diamond, The Eagles. See, I had to listen to Alabama and Perry Como. Oh, you got Como? No, nah, none of that for my... Uh, Alan Parsons. The Dink. Al- <laughs> I, I love Engelbert on Dink. We had the Dink around. Um... But what happened is on, uh, I guess, Christmas around there, um, I got a vinyl copy of Freeze Frame by the Jay Giles Band. Excellent album. And relatively benign album, you know? Except there's a track on there called Piss on the Wall. And I might have told this story before, you know, Piss on the Wall. Um, and my mom, I opened this record really excited. There's a metallic potato or whatever it is on the front. And my mom looks at it and, and she sees piss on the wall. And she's like, oh, Shawnee boy, do you really want to listen to this? It's got bad words on it. And I was like, mom, I really do. <laughs> Some folks say the world ain't what it is. All I know is I got to And so at that moment, I realized it kind of 
this is what I want. I wanted to listen to my own music, and I knew that it was very pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. It was like a narcotic, you know. Now I could I could listen to music that was kind of like rebellious, and my parents didn't have to like it. It was a little bit dirty and naughty. It was like my own little secret, much like Fallon on Dynasty. Pamela Sue Martin would soon become. Now that too. really is something you should keep a secret. No, Pamela Sue Martin was hot. Are you kidding me? So anyway, that Jay Giles Band album on vinyl, and I think I still have it. I think it's around somewhere. Um, that was a big, big moment for me. That was a big because all of a sudden, then I'm like, you know what? I can listen to ACDC now. You know, piss on the wall, freed me. I can, I can listen to all these things. You know, so uh, that was my moment. I'm fr- I never looked back. <laughs> I never looked back. Music has gotten a lot less rebellious over the years. It's, it's faux rebellion. It's, it's, it's they don't, they don't, people don't know what to be angry about anymore. Yeah, it's just like nothing's titillating and, you know, I don't There's know. There's so many things to be angry about, but nobody wants to write songs about it. Wow. Hey, that's, today's Glory artist is just like, you know, I just want to find some sort of little trendy beat, Glory turn on the autobox, you know, make a stupid effing video, Glory you know, cash in on iTunes. Where's the outrage? Is Where's the quadrophenia <laughs> of our youth? <laughs> Oh man, but you, well, I'll tell you what. Tommy Lee, Vince Neil, Nikki Six, and Mick Mars coming to town July sixth. They're gonna bring, they're gonna bring some fire and heat and rebellion, my friend. Sexual rebellion, sexual rebellion, sexual chocolate. You should come with me to that show. We might, I might. We'll see. I'm gonna write that sucker up, and it's gonna be fun. I just don't. I pity myself the next day. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Yeah, it's like it's a loud. is it Wednesday? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I might come in late on Thursday. Yeah, that'd be a first. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this bad boy up. Woo! There you go. The Tommy Lee interview. And we have a very special interview set up for next <laughs> week as well. Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, along with Tommy Lee, Sean Daly, and myself, I'd like to say don't go away, Mad. Just go away. But stay here with us. Stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. Hey, you stuck around for the Easter egg yet again. Aha! We reward our, our patient listeners, don't we? I love we the Easter We don't ridicule egg. them. I well, love actually, the we Easter do ridicule egg. you, but after I turn <laughs> off the microphone. He, uh, you might have noticed that the Tommy Lee interview is a little short, uh, clocking in at about eight minutes when we actually talked to him for 15. That's because we didn't give you all the uh, questions and answers. And that's because some of our questions were lame. And his answers were even lamer. Yeah. And, um, you know, Poison is opening for Motley Crue. And, of course, Poison, Poison is led by Brett Michaels, who also has a sex tape with Pamela Anderson, which we didn't really bring up to Tommy, who I think is still in love with his ex-wife and has two children with her. Uh, um, but Steve tried to, you know, um, broach that subject with Tommy. Like, you know, 
Poison's kind of a weird opening band for Motley Crue. Those guys never liked each other. Right. And Motley Crue always thought they were a lot tougher than Poison, which is probably the case. Yeah. You know? So, uh, as you're about to hear in this outtake... Um, it's not that funny. It's not that funny, but... but it's free. Yeah, it's free. So, here you go. A little uh, outtake from the Tommy Lee interview. Hey, so, Tommy, you're touring with Poison on this uh, trip. Uh, how's, how do you, uh, things work out with them? I always kind of imagined that there was sort of like sort of a Sunset Strip feud between those two bands. A what? Yeah, kind of a feud between uh, between the bands. No. Did you say a uh, Did you say a feud? Yeah, yeah. feud. Oh well, I don't know what I don't know what that's all about, but uh, we're doing our thing. Yeah, that's cool. 